then we're going to declare God's blessing over this word today, our Bible confession. Hallelujah. Speak something over, our, over the word of God today. Get your Bible in your hand. And let's confess something over the word of God. Our words are not merely to communicate, they are to create. And so we have to create an environment in our hearts and in this place for the word of God. All right? Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than my necessary food. I love it, and I'm never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, Proverbs 12, verse 27. Proverbs 12, verse 27. Everybody have that? Okay, let's read that together. Ready, read. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious. All right, let's read it again. I want you to read. Let's read it carefully. Ready, go. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. Is man's precious, precious possession. So, of all things you can possess, it's not your car, not your jewelry, it's not your stocks and bonds, it's diligence. If you have diligence, it's precious, which means it's rare and it's valuable. And so we're going to continue to talk today on this issue of diligence. Father, thank you for the word we're about to receive. I speak blessing upon your people, and I ask that God that you speak from heaven what we need to hear today, and that every heart will be ready to receive the challenge that comes from, from the word. I know this word has challenged me, Father. And so I pray that, Father, you will challenge each and every one of us, and that we'll come up to it and not draw back from the challenge, but that God will rise up and become what you've called us to be in the earth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Do you have diligence? This is part two. Do you have diligence? We just finished uh, last week a six-part series on miracle business, and I share with you six principles, again, or, or components that I believe lead to prosperity or success in, in ministry, in business, in marriage, in life, in general, in education, right. athletics, whatever you do, these, these things that you must work on, you must have, attend to so that you can be successful. We talked about your possessions. We talked about preparation. You must prepare in things that you do. We talked about your potential. We talked about partnerships, who's working with you. We talked about protection, uh, who, uh, how you protect uh, the environment so you only allow faith into your environment. See, we walk by faith and not by sight. And one thing that we gotta have to do is make sure as believers we're not slipping back into carnal, into carnality. It's so very easy for believers to live as carnal men, yes. as natural men. Yes. We've got to make sure we walk by the Spirit. The Bible says you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? So we need to walk in the Spirit every day. So then we talked about promotion, promotion, promotion. Okay? Now, there's two scriptures I want to 
remind you of that we looked at during that series near the end of it. One was Proverbs 21, verse 20. Proverbs 21, verse 20, they put on the screen for us. It says this, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man does what? Squanders it, spends it up in a, uh, unwisely, okay? So the Bible says there's desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. So when you're a wise person and you're wise if you serve God, there's wisdom available to you. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart there is no God. Okay? So when you say there is a God and you serve him, you are, you are in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Y'all know that scripture, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you're fearing God, there's wisdom that's available to you. So in our dwelling, there's supposed to be some desirable treasure and some oil in there. Not just in your house, your physical house, talking about you. You are the house of the living God. Okay? So inside you, there's something you're supposed to have that is desirable, that is valuable, that is precious. Okay? Now, let's go to the next scripture here that we looked at, or one, one more scripture we looked at here, which is Proverbs 24 and verse 27. Proverbs 24, verse 27. You remember this, we closed with this in that series where it says this, prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward, come on. Okay, so there's some preparation you're supposed to make before you build your house. When I was talking about business, I was talking about how there are things you must do before you start spending up all your business revenue. You got to keep pouring back into the business to keep building it higher. Make it fit. You don't just, you know, take, take your first little profit and go buy a boat with it. Okay? You have to keep pouring back into your business. I talked about marriage. Some people didn't like it when I talked about marriage, but it's still true anyhow. That in marriage, you got to pour into your marriage. You can't, you, can't, you can't get married and all of a sudden go start, you know, keep hanging out with the boys and hanging out with the girls every day thinking you're going you're to build your marriage. It doesn't happen that way. Hallelujah. I'm going to throw this in. Y'all definitely not going to like this. You, you can't keep hanging out with your family all the time. One, one of the things I teach when I do premarital counseling, when I do premarital counseling, I tell every, every, every marriage, every uh, couple that's looking to get married, that you got to take away the keys to your house. Don't pass around keys to your house. And when I say that, I'm not talking about physical keys, although you should do that too. But you got to make sure you stop handing out just unlimited access into your marriage to your family. Because you get family all, in, all wrapped up in your marriage. See, you get into a, you know, tater-tater with your husband and your wife. Then you go tell your mama, tell your sister, I can't believe how they did me. They did me wrong. And you mad and you tell them about how mad you are. Well, girl, let's just go shop. And we're going to shop. And you tell them your mama all upset. Then you go home and y'all kiss up and make up. But in the family, they don't get the kids up and make up. So Thanksgiving and Christmas, they all side-eyeing everybody. Right? So you have to, you have to protect yourself like that. Okay? So when it, there, there's, my point was, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Think, let me just, I'm going to keep hitting this. When you're talking about in your spiritual life. 
in your spiritual life, you got to spend some time working on your development. That's why when you read in Acts 2, right around verse 42, when, when, when Peter had preached, the Bible went on to say that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. How many of y'all remember Sunday school? Bible band, BTU, YPWW. None of y'all remember that stuff. What was all that for? Just to take up your time? No. It was to, it was to build you up. So you had some foundation. That's why we offer this new believers class every Sunday morning. So you can get built up because, you know, you get saved, it's a whole new world. Am I talking right in here? When you get saved, it's a whole new world. You've left the kingdom of darkness. You're now in the kingdom of God's dear son, and there's a whole different set of rules, whole different way of operating. And many people never become successful spiritually because they never take the time to build themselves up. And they go back out there, and now I'm, I'm going to go back out, out there and evangelize in the bar. God delivered you from drugs, and now you're going to go back out there and, and minister in the drug hole, but you've not built yourself up yet. Now, God will send you back there, but it needs you built up first. So when you go out there, you don't get caught slipping. I, I thought I was stronger than what I was. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're overtaking in a fault. You see? Okay? So we have to make sure we, we spend the time in preparation. Okay? So prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field. And afterward, build your house. That tells me something right there. God wants us to build houses. Y'all didn't say anything. I said God wants us building houses. You read in Deuteronomy, God told him, he said, I'm going to say, you know, you're going to build houses. When you built your big houses, when you built your beautiful houses. So God wants his people to build houses. See, when you build a house, it's custom. All right, let me, let me move on. That's something messing I don't just mean going in somebody else's house they left and painted. No, I'm talking about no, it's custom. Okay? But there's some things you got to do first. Okay? Now, give me that same verse, verse there in the Living Bible. Same verse in the Living Bible. This is for all the business people. Develop your business first before building your house. Okay? A lot of people go build a house first, then they're talking about, I'm going to go start my business to pay for it. <laughs> you already messed up. You're already in trouble. Okay, give me this same verse in the New Living Translation. Can I teach this morning? The New Living Translation. Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. Do your planning and prepare your fields. See? You, you need to strategize. Have a plan laid out on how this is going to be taken care of before building your house. See? In other words, you got to handle your business before you handle your pleasure. 
band and football and chess club. That's extracurricular. Football, basketball, baseball, track. That's extracurricular. Extra. It's on top of or after the curricular. And what happens to so many of our students is they focus on the extra and don't focus on the curricular. But you're a student athlete. I want to play college football. It's still college. Right? I want to play college basketball. It's still college. You got to do the college part first. Are y'all follow what I'm saying to you? So, so that you got you to plan and prepare before you build. Before you do your, all your stuff for you, you got to do, do the things that's going to support all that. Y'all got it? Now, again, it says plan and prepare. Plan and prepare. Now, I told you this. Most people never get a chance to ever build, you know, if I put this in quotes, build a house. Because success, real success requires planning and diligent effort. Real success requires planning and diligent effort. This is not spiritual. This is very spiritual. I'm reading right out of your Bible. See, God's had enough of us just hollering around church. Hollering and running around and falling out. That's all good. But when you get up, y'all to hear it. It's nice to fall out in church. But when you get up, you got to have some way to do business for the kingdom of God. See? <laughs> Real success requires planning and diligent effort. Proverbs 20, 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says this. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. Now there's two surely's in this verse. There's two surely's in this verse. So you're going to either have sure plenty or sure poverty. Notice there's no middle class. I'm going to say this for all y'all Democrats. There is no middle class. Democrats, everybody, we're going to, want to, we're going to support the middle class. There's no such thing as middle class. There's no such thing as middle class. You don't, see, you don't see the middle class in the Bible. God said the rich and poor have this in common. He said the rich, the middle class, and the poor have this in common. The rich and the poor. You're either the rich or you're poor in, in the kingdom. That's all there is. Middle class is just a mirage. If I can borrow two minutes of your time, I'll tell you something. The whole point of the middle class is to support the rich. So they lure you, they entice you into what's called a middle class so you can borrow money for a car, borrow money for a house, borrow money for student loans. And the more you borrow, guess who you're borrowing from? Not the poor or the middle class. You're borrowing from the rich. So they're using the middle class to pay for the rich lifestyle. 
So they have everybody aspiring to be in the middle class. I want to be in the middle class. <laughs> it's a mirage. Okay? So the only sureties here are plenty and poverty. You're going to have one of them. Now, how do you get to either one? Well, the plans of the diligent lead surely. Come on, help me out. To plenty. But those of or those plans of the hasty surely to poverty. You see it? Notice it says the plans of the diligent. Remember the previous verse we read that talked about planning and preparation. So notice it didn't say the plans, that plans lead to plenty. It said the plans of the diligent lead to plenty. Because the plans of those who are hasty, see just because you have a plan don't mean you're going to be plentiful. They both have plans. Gershom, how many business plans of people say, I got me a business plan, Gershom? <laughs> Just because you got a plan don't mean a thing. You can, you can do a business plan on one sheet of paper. Brother, brother Tony, uh, he was my mentor in the faith. He's in heaven now. He, he showed me a business plan, and you can do it on a napkin. He said, man, you can, this man's a multimillionaire. He can do a business plan on a napkin. It's not the plan. It's the diligence. Anybody can get a plan. You can go online and download a plan. See? But you can't download diligence. Diligence is man's precious possession. Now, this will help y'all if y'all don't just, if you don't fight against what I'm saying. So, I can't just have plans. I must have diligence. Glory to God. So, there's a couple of things I, I see from this verse here. Again, those of everyone who is hasty lead surely to poverty. So, we, we know haste makes waste. Number one. Number two, we know plans alone don't bring success. People have been saying just, oh, you got a plan. I got a five-year plan, and I got a 10-year plan, and I got a 20-year plan. Wonderful. That's great. That's beautiful. Got it all laid out in your little planner. Got your little planner out. Sat down with an advisor. Got my little plan. That's great. But it didn't say plans lead to plenty. Oh, Jesus. So you have to plan your work, and then you have to diligently work your plan. Okay? Now, we're children of God, aren't we? Now, the Bible says, imitate God as dear children. Now, this is how God operates. The Bible says in, in, in Revelation 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Right? So God always planned on Jesus being slain. Come on now, any Christians I have in here. He always planned on Jesus being slain. Because he knew he had to redeem mankind. Before Adam sinned, God had a plan. 
God in his preeminence, in his foreknowledge, knew Adam would blow it. And the Bible says the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Because, watch this. Remember, remember Eden where God put Adam? Eden was heaven on earth. Loves your pleasure delight. And God put heaven on earth, and he meant for all of the earth to look like heaven. Now, at the point when he put Eden there and put Adam in Eden, only Eden looked like heaven. But the plan was for all of Eden to look like, all of the earth to look like Eden, which looked like heaven. Adam blew it. But God didn't quit. Man got off the chain. God found himself a Noah. Genesis 6, right? And when God found Noah, he said, hey, hey he, that, that blessing he had put on Adam, he said, okay, uh, Noah, I'm going to put it on you. Genesis 8, God puts a blessing on Noah. Right? Noah dies, you know, the, the, the flood comes and everything, they all die off, and it gets real bad, but God finds another, another man named Abram. Genesis 12, and God calls Abram and, call, and puts the blessing on him. Why? God's trying to get that heaven into earth. Worked it through Abraham. Worked it through Isaac. Worked it through Jacob. Worked it through Joseph. Got it down to David. Got it down to Solomon. He got all the way down to Jesus. And you know, as every Baptist preacher say, he came down to 40 and two generations. Huh? 40 and two generations. It's in the Bible. 14 here, 14 there, 14 there. 42 generations. Well, Jesus didn't just come down through 14 generations. It was God diligently working a plan. Because each generation you saw somebody blow it. They just kept blowing it. They kept blowing it. But God was diligent about his plans. The plan never changed. God stuck to his original plan that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world and the Bible said that, that the, 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 the Romans and the Jews, they crucified the Lord of glory. And the Bible says if they had known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know they were playing right into God's plan. You're seeing this. So you don't just, you can't just have a plan, you got to have some diligence. 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 Now, go to Hebrews 12, because I'm just going to show you diligence here. Because Jesus, God's son, was diligent. Hebrews 12, see, because we gotta, we got to develop some stick to we got to develop some fortitude that we stop quitting at the drop of a dime. Just because you run into an obstacle or two. In, in Hebrews 12, verse uh, 1, I'll start there. Therefore we also, since, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, now watch this. Now he's the author and finisher, okay? Who for the joy that was set before him, here we go, endured the cross. This is diligence. He endured the cross, 
despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him. Before you quit, before you throw in the towel, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. You ain't bleeding yet. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. You ain't bleeding yet. Nobody's whipped you and pulled out your hair and nobody's, nobody's pulled your, your skin off your back. Nobody's plucked your beard out of your face. Nobody's crushed a crown of thorns in your head. Nobody's done that to you yet. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. See, you can't quit at the first setback. Well, I went and I applied for three jobs and they told, they all told me no. So you done? <laughs> You're not going to apply for another job? You just quit? Well, I tried. I baked potato pies and I went out and tried to sell them on three weekends. Nobody bought nothing of my sweet potato pies. You, you just quit? Yeah, work on it. Go back and work on it. Find out. Why you don't like my sweet potato pie? It's too sweet? Not sweet enough? Too soft, too hard, it's stringy? Need some more evaporated milk? What I need in it? What I need something? They said they ain't like it, so I quit. Because they ain't like it. Everybody say diligence. diligence. So go back for me, please, media, to Proverbs 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, verse 5. I want you to see this here because I'm building a case on something. Now, again, for all the people who say, well, diligence, we, why we talk about diligence? This ain't spiritual. It's totally spiritual. Yes, yes, God is a reward of those who keep your heart with all diligence. out of it are the issues of life. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. See, nothing, nothing comes in the kingdom without you being diligent. See, because you have an adversary, the devil, who's coming against you, who's doing everything he can to resist you, to keep you out of God's best. And if we don't have this precious possession of diligence, we're not going to ever experience God's best. And we certainly won't be useful in his kingdom. See, for us to be used by God, we're going to have to be diligent because he's sending us out as lambs among wolves. See? So Proverbs 21.5 again says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. So your plans alone will not get you plenty. You must have diligence. Now let's look at another one to add to that. Now I want you to see a concept here. In Proverbs 13 and verse 4. Proverbs 13 verse 4. Let's see what it says. It says, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. 
but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Notice both have souls and both obviously have desires. But the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. Pastor, don't talk about it. Listen, listen, don't, listen, don't, 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 don't anybody be offended. Don't think I'm talking about you. I preached this Wednesday night, didn't I? Yes, sir. And my wife and I and the kids, when we went, the children, when we went and had, had dinner after service, we sat around and we did assessments. We're not going to lie to each other, and we're not going to let each other lie to ourselves. So all five of us who were there at the table did assessments. Okay, and you're on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you on diligence? And each of us had to answer, okay, I feel like I'm a, I'm a 5 or I'm a 3 or I'm a 7 or whatever. And then we had to say, well, what do y'all think? See, see, y'all don't like this part here. See? I'm, I'm just telling you, see, see, we got to live this same word out. We don't get a, we don't get a free pass because we're pastoring. And we don't give our children free passes because they're preacher's kids. No, we all got to assess ourselves. Do I really have diligence? Am I diligent? See, because if we really have it and really exercise it, I guarantee you, Every one of us will be farther along than we are now. We be skinnier than we are now. I said we be skinnier than we are now. Am I right about it? I started. I, I did three days. I did, that, I did that diet plan three days. Ooh, but it got hard. Fourth day, you just quit. I know I ain't lying. They, y'all quiet, but I know I ain't lying. Ask me how I know. I, start, I was just telling somebody, somebody tell me yesterday, Pastor, you're doing so good. You lost so much weight. And I was like, yeah, I'm still working. I got a lot, lot, long way to go. They said, you can really? Yeah, I got a, lot, a long way to go. And I said, please pray for me. Pray for you. Pray for you. Why? Because I felt myself slipping. I felt myself slipping. I'm like, oh, Lord. Anybody ever slip? I'm like, see, because I had a goal set. I had a. I'm just. I'm just being transparent. I had a goal. I started back on my birthday. My 49th birthday is when I started. Next day, I said, I'm. I'm going to lose X amount of pounds by the time I turn 50. I'm 50. I'm only 50 and fine, right? So. <laughs> that's what I said. So I said. So. so Saying, so, so, uh, am I right, Gershom? You there next couple of months from now, right? So, a bunch of us about to turn 50. So, um, so I said, so I, man, I started out with a bang, bam, running out, and I saw Lou just wait, 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 coming down. And I'm like, man, 
by 50, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to blow way past that. I'm blowing way past that goal. Now I'm looking at the scale like, I hope I can make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things start slow. Things start slowing down on me. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> Woo. Diligence. That's why I'm preaching diligence. Diligence, 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 diligence. Dilly dilly. That's what dilly dilly is about. Diligence, diligence, diligence. But we got to keep going, right? Okay, so the soul, now watch this. Here it is. The soul of the lazy man desires. Somebody desire to be thin. But Giovanna, Barbara, if you're lazy, I want, I want, to, I want to be fit. Well, come on, we're going to go walking. feel like it. So, notice these two souls, both soul, soul, your soul, your mind with only emotions, this is who you are, this is who you are. The soul of the lazy man desires. So notice he has a desire. So we saw a moment ago that plans alone don't lead to plenty. And we see here that desire alone does not lead to attaining anything. You want to have desire. God needs people to have desires. Oh, the light is up the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. What things have you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Well, it's going to have to happen like that for most people. I'm going to just have to believe I receive because I'm, I'm, I'm lazy. I'm not going to do nothing for it. I'm not going to do nothing. Well, I, be, I believe I receive, I believe I receive skinniness. That's a new word for y'all, skinniness, skinniness. I believe I receive skinniness. Be it unto me, Lord. Shut up. I bind them calories in Jesus' name. I bind you carbohydrates. Be thou cast into the sea. See, desire is great. Desire, desire points your car in the right direction. But diligence keeps it on the road. Oh, y'all better get that. Desire points your car in the right direction. But diligence keeps it on the road. You see, the man who desires but is lazy will have nothing. You ever heard people say, man, I sure wish I had a million dollars. I sure wish I had a million dollars. Well, I tell you what, why don't you, why don't you go, to, go to school? I ain't going to try to go to school. School, I ain't going to school. Well, why don't you, why don't you just take, take a two-week class? You can, get, you can get some licenses in two weeks. Oh. Well, you just you just keep on having desires, man. That's that's nice. You just you just got desires. We used to say back in the hood, some of y'all don't know nothing about the hood, but in the hood, we used to say, nothing come to a sleeper but a dream. Nothing come to a sleeper but a dream. And people have dreams. 
desires, but because they're lazy. Now, I know I don't have any lazy people in this church. It's a church full of diligent people. No lazy. But when we were surveying each other that night at dinner, we were like, ooh. Truth be told, I'm about a three. Four. Some of y'all are saying, admit. See, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. So you don't just have a desire, but you manifest what you desire. See, and too many times about if Christ, we act like faith is magic. Hello. Walking by faith, I'm believing God by faith. It's not magic. It's supernatural. Which means the super is going to come on your natural. Y'all ain't saying nothing over here. The super is going to come on your natural. So God's going to give you some natural things to do. That's why we, we confuse most people outside of the body of Christ. We're talking about we're faith people, we're faith people. And we, we, they, they like, oh, y'all don't make any sense. Because, because we, we sit there like, like it's a, Aladdin, like it's a magic little lamp. It's not a magic lamp. I believe I receive. Wonderful. Faith without works is dead being alone. So just because you have faith and desire doesn't mean you're going to manifest because you got to have some works that accompany your faith. And too many people in the body of Christ are sitting on their lazy derrieres waiting on God to move and God said, I got it already. What you going to do? I need you to move. I'm speaking to you in the midnight hour. I'm telling you, go down that street and talk to that person. Well, I don't feel like going down the street and talking to that person. God said, what you want me to do then? When Jesus told Peter, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a drop, what did Peter just said? Man, we too tired, man. We got my time. This man, I don't know what we're talking about. They would have never caught all those fish. They'd have still been broke. When the man of God told that woman, y'all go gather vessels from everywhere and pour out out of that oil and fill all those, those vessels up with that oil, if they had said, no, we don't feel like it. What, what if our boys was lazy? <laughs> They'd have been slaves then. Sold off to the creditors to pay that debt off. They'd have been into forced labor. Forced labor. Give me Proverbs, 21, Proverbs 12, 24. Give me Proverbs 12, 24. Oh, watch this. Uh, that just came out. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put, watch this, to forced labor. Forced labor? In 2021, yes, forced labor. Lazy men will be put to forced labor. But the hand of the diligent will rule. I think it's Proverbs 22. Give me Proverbs 22, verse 2. Proverbs 22, verse 20. Yeah. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. 
And people in religion will tell you, well, God makes some rich and God makes some poor. That is not what that means. It means that God, no matter where you are, God made you. But what you did, what choices you made, determines whether you end up on the rich side or the poor side. And if you're lazy, I mean, there's a, the Bible gives, sure, you read Proverbs, there are surefire ways to be poor, to be poor. Matter of fact, my wife and I, we taught uh, in our Faith Increase uh, broadcast, we taught, I think, last season, one night on um, stop working so hard to be poor. I think I decided to stop working so hard to be poor. Because to be, to, for a Christian to be poor, you got to work at it. For a Christian to be poor, you have to work at it. Because we're in a rich kingdom. We're in a rich kingdom, man. Everything about God's kingdom is wealth and abundance. So for me in, a, in the kingdom to be poor, I got I to gotta be doing something against God. See? Oh, Jesus. Y'all okay? Ooh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Go back to Proverbs 13, 4. I got some amens in here. Y'all sit quiet. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all can talk about all you want. I like that. Thank you. Y'all sitting quiet like I'm mad. <laughs> the soul of the... <laughs> Proverbs 13, verse 4. Hallelujah. The soul of the lazy man desires and have nothing, has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. So remember what we see now. You can have desires and never attain anything. You can have desires and never attain anything. Number, number two, desire is not synonymous with diligence. This is all based on this verse. Desire is not synonymous, not the same as diligence. It does not equal to diligence. It didn't say desire is a man's precious possession. It said diligence is man's precious possession. Anybody can have desire. In fact, everybody has desires. There's no person on this planet who doesn't have a desire for something. But diligence is precious, which means not everybody has that. The difference between you being successful and someone else not being successful is not desire. It's diligence. The difference between the straight A student and the one who's average or failing is diligence. Well, it's, no, just some kids don't desire to succeed. There's no child that doesn't want to succeed. Every child from the time they're in preschool, they go and they go to preschool and they draw a little picture and they go home and say, Dad, Mommy, look what I did. You know why? Because they want the accolade. They want the... 
That's why as parents, when you get them to do that, don't just say, child, put that in the trash. You go put it on the refrigerator. My child, what's that? He, he said that's a dog. Now, I don't know nothing like a dog, but you said it's, it's a dog. Look like a four-headed monkey, but it's, it's a dog. And what happens over time when that desire is not, is not uh, rewarded, it's not acknowledged, children as they age begin to dwindle in desire. They start to not care anymore. Because people, it, it gets killed off by parents or, or other adults who don't encourage that. See, that's why parents, we got to be diligent about encouraging that and building it up in our children, building that desire. I'm going to throw this in here too for free, exposing them to things. Take your children into other neighborhoods. Take them into museums and take them into, into things. Take them, take them to see things and see. So, so something gets stirred. You know, when the, for Jewish children, Jewish babies, when Jewish babies are born, the Bible says that they take honey and they put honey on babies' tongues, Jewish babies' tongues, to give them a taste of sweetness. So now they desire it. That's why Jews, although they are like 120th, of or actually one like one hundredth of the world's population, they're they're the they're the top twenty percent of the wealth in the in the world. They are born with a, a a desire. So parents, it's incumbent upon us to stir that desire in our children. And you, as my spiritual children, that's why I have to keep. St- I don't I don't I don't I don't keep feeding you hot dogs where you are. You know what hot dogs are taste, they taste like. You know that. I want to feed you some filet mignons or you desire some. Woo, all right, what's that? See, you got to have some desire. But to go with that desire, there's got to be some diligence. So then what I do as a parent then is now I got to challenge you. I got to stir to your desire, but now I got to challenge in your diligence. Hey, what's up with that project? You not done with that yet? Well, how long is it going to take you to finish that? You forgot to take the trash out? Yeah, why are you? What are you, what are you doing? Is your homework done? And when they tell you yes, you don't believe them. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? When they tell you yes, don't believe them. I'm helping some parents. I'm, I'm helping parents right now. I'm helping parents. When they tell you they're done, don't believe them. Because foolishness abounds in the heart of a child. Go back and check. See? See, what I'm doing is I'm going to challenge you in diligence. Because desire alone won't get you there. Sure, I remember you, you graduated high school, uh, 89, right? Same year. You went to Florida State. Well, no, not right away, because we, we ended up at St. Pete College together. That's, that's where I first met you, I think, in math class. <laughs> yeah, 
That's when I went to class. <laughs> Boy, that was some young, dumb days right there. I, I probably spent more time in the student center, student union center shooting pool than I did in class back then because uh, I lacked diligence. But I know she eventually went to Florida State. I wanted to go to Florida State. I got accepted into Florida State. That's why I'm a Florida State fan to this day. I love Florida State. I don't care what you say, D. Uh, Florida State. <laughs> All right? And, and I didn't know, I had no clue how to get there. And at that time, nobody talked to me. Nobody told me, here's how you get there. I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about student loans. I didn't know anything about grants. I didn't know anything about scholars. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. And no guidance counselor helped me out. No, no nothing. And I could sit there now and say it was their fault. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. See, if I was diligent about really getting there, I would have found out. I would have called Florida State myself. See? I would have found out. How do I get up here? See, and the devil wants us to blame our failure on mama and them and cousin and them and the neighborhood and the, and the white man and the government and everybody else man and all this stuff right here. And it's not. Because this scripture is clear across the board. The soul of a lazy man desires to have nothing but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. It didn't say if the right people help him. See, because if you're diligent, I'm going to keep looking until I find the right person. I'm going to keep working until I've run across the right thing. See? So I don't, I don't go to my grave with desires unfulfilled. One, one of the things, I, I spent a lot of time around the nursing home uh, in, in recent years, and one of the things that, that is most common in a nursing home is regret. The thing that, that plagues most people in nursing homes is regret. I never did this. I never went here. I never, never said this. I should have. And because of that regret, they sort of, if you allow, wither away. Because your soul knows, man, I wanted this. All right. Okay, I'm, I'm out of time for the most part. <laughs> Diligent people don't take shortcuts, nor do they quit when there are setbacks. That's worth writing down or taking a picture of it or something. Diligent people don't take shortcuts, nor do they quit when there are setbacks. See, in life, you're going to get, you're going to experience some setbacks. It's just part of life. When you also have a desire, the devil doesn't just roll over and let you walk into it. You have an adversary, so you're going to have setbacks. But then diligent people don't take shortcuts. I'm not talking about God won't give you these things that accelerate you. I'm talking about trying to 
live your life on shortcuts. I'm on short, you know, well, I, I can do it this way and, you know, circumventing the, the, the natural course of doing things. That's a hasty person. It leads to poverty. Okay? Go to Genesis 29. Let me, let me, I'll wrap up here with this little story. And we'll pick it up Wednesday night. Okay? How long? I've been up quite a while, haven't I? I think so. Genesis 29. I want to show you diligence. Desire accompanied by diligence. Desire accompanied by diligence. Genesis 29, verse 1. In Genesis 28, Isaac, uh, Jacob's father, tells him, okay, go, to, go down to Badana Ram. You're going to find your wife there. All right, so now we get to 29. That's what we're seeing right here. Genesis 29. So Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. He's in the area of, of Padana Ram, okay? Drop down to verse 9, please. Verse 9. I'm just trying to shorten this for the sake of time. Says, now while he, this is Jacob, was still speaking with them, the them is Laban and his household, Rachel came with her father's sheep. Rachel is Laban's daughter. For she was a shepherdess. Isn't that interesting? She was a shepherdess. She's working. Sister girl handling her father's business. Okay? Verse 10. Verse 10. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and he rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. So notice he saw Rachel. He, he, turned, it, he turned it on. <laughs> let me get that for you, girl. Let me, let me get that. This is the equivalent today of opening a door. Pulling a seat out. I have the check. Just checking all you guys. I know, I know Dutch. We, we going Dutch. Dutch? This is America, Jack. Somebody going Dutch? <laughs> we going Dutch. <laughs> okay? Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. All the fellas. Scott, watch this. Verse 11. Then Jacob kissed Rachel. And the homeboy start crying. <laughs> Someone to kiss. Someone to miss. I mean, he, he kissed the girl and lifted his voice and wept. To be loved. Oh, what a feeling. To be loved. I mean, this is, this is, I'm just, am I, am I seeing this right? Do y'all see that? Is that, that the picture you get when you see? 
he kissed her and he started crying? Now, those had to be some sweet lips or something. I don't know what kind of lips that girl had because he is like he found his connection, boy. It's like, woo that's the one. He ain't dating around. He ain't, he ain't, he ain't dating around. He ain't dating around. He ain't dating around. He saw her. That's his desire. He kissed her. It was over. What kind of kiss was that? Probably on her cheek. On her cheek. That's, that was the normal greeting of that custom of that time. So they weren't French kissing all that kind of stuff these kids doing today. He, he's, yeah, don't do that. I'll take you somewhere you don't want to go. I'm being pastor for a moment. I'll take you somewhere you don't want to go. I'll change that. Take you somewhere you're not licensed to go. You want to go, you're not licensed to go there yet. <laughs> Glory to God. Telephone. So they, Jacob kissed Rachel. And lifted up his voice and wept. Watch this. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Okay. Y'all go tell my daddy about this right here. Go over to verse 15. Go over to verse 15. Yeah, she went and told her daddy. You gotta, you gotta always go through the daddy. <laughs> All right, verse 15. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative. Now, Jacob's going to go work. Are you looking for a place to work? Jake, Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should your wages be. Oh, I got an answer for that. I, I kissed a girl and she made me cry. I can ask you real quick. He said, he said, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate. It literally meant she wasn't attractive. It, 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 little translation means she was just hard to look at. She, she ain't favor nobody. That's, that's how we say no. She don't, she don't favor nobody. <laughs> but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Beautiful of form. And appearance. Now, y'all just know what that means. I don't have to go into too much conjecture here. Form and appearance. Jonathan, you understand what I'm saying back there? Form and appearance. You see why he cried? Now, Jacob loved Rachel. He loved her. He loved her. So he said, now watch this, watch this diligence, dedication, determination right here. I will serve you seven, seven years, years for Rachel, your younger daughter. 
This ain't going out on two dates, see if we like each other. This is seven years I'm going to work in your field in the hot sun because that's my desire. Okay? Now, just desire by itself doesn't get you anything. Remember that. I'll serve you seven years. Verse, verse uh, 19, and Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to, to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Boy, this is, this, this is whip appeal right here if I've ever seen it. This thing, every time he in that field working, that field, he look up, Rachel come by, there's Rachel. Working. He get tired in his body, but he see Rachel, he's like. <laughs> every time she come out there, Jacob. Hey, Rachel. I do want you to see this because I want you to see desire. Yes. Yes, sir. But the lazy man desires and attains nothing. See? So he didn't just desire Rachel. He said, I'll work seven years for her. Okay, now let's close it right here. Drop down to verse 27. 27. Well, no, no, let me, let me go back. Let me, let me, let me just, just give me an extra two minutes. Then, verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, okay, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. Okay, they can consummate this marriage here because this is seven years later. Verse 21. Okay, verse 22. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Now, he didn't know this nighttime. There ain't no lights. ain't no solar, nothing like that. Verse 24, and Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning, this is when the lights come back on, that behold, it was Leah. What? Now, he knew that because he hadn't touched Rachel. See, this, you know, see what I'm saying? So that night, he with Leah, he don't know that's Leah because he's never touched Rachel. Aha, he's never touched Rachel. That means, fellas, you don't touch her until you got a license. Okay? Yes, it is. And he said to Laban, what is it you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay, all right. This is what I'm going to do. Fulfill her week. Fulfill the week. Okay? That's the week you, your week with Leah. Fulfill Leah's week. Y'all got to be together for a week and learn each other. Okay? And we will give you this one also, meaning Rachel, for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. In other words, bro, how bad do you want this thing? 
You really want my daughter, Rachel? I already got seven years. I already beat you for seven years. Now I'm going to get you for seven more. This is a trickster's trick and a trickster. So Jacob, now watch. Jacob has a choice here. Remember this lesson's on diligence. This is a major setback, a major setback. I worked seven years, ended up with the wrong woman. This is a major setback if I've ever seen one. Now when his father-in-law now tells him, here's a choice, you work seven more years, I give you Rachel. He's got a choice now. He can say, I'm going to walk away. I don't want either one of them. Right? Doesn't he have that choice? But this is where diligence kicks in. See, what do you do when there's a setback? What do you do when things haven't gone the way you planned? Do you throw the towel in, quit, and walk away? Watch this. Then Jacob did so, verse 28, fulfilled her week, that's Leah's week, so he, Laban, gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. Oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. And he served with Laban. Now, now he's got the wife. Oh, y'all got it? He served seven years. He's got Leah. The deal is, if you agree to serve me seven more years, I'll give you Rachel. Now. So he gives Rachel to him now. But now he has to work the next seven years. Now he's got a choice. He can be a man of integrity, a man of diligence, or be a shyster and leave. Sneak out in the middle of the night with both of them now. See? See, he didn't work seven, seven more years and then get Rachel. He got Rachel at the same time. But because he gave Laban his word. And he served with Laban still another seven years. See, that's what diligence looks like. I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to keep my word. Even when things don't work out the way I thought they should work out by now. Because I'm a person of integrity. I'm going to finish what I started. I'm going to do what I said. Let me give you this definition real quick. Of the word diligent. This is not a definition rather. This is from the, from the Hebrew. The word harus. Harus. I could do the. Go to harus. Means sharp pointed, sharp, diligent, strict decision, decision. In other words, decisive and determined. It means, determination means you don't stop till you reach your goal. Jacob didn't stop till he got what he came for. See? The lazy man desires but has nothing. You got to not this desire but be diligent so you receive what 
who you really desire. That's how Jesus was. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He's now set at the right hand of God. He went through it for us. That's what we are celebrating here with the Lord's Supper. All he went through for us. He was the model and is the model of diligence. Father God is the model of diligence. Without him being diligent, none of us would be here today. But I'm so glad Jesus went all the way to the cross for us. Father God kept his word. He desired us. And now we're a part of his royal family because of what he's done for us. Now listen, I'm, I told you about this Wednesday night. Apostle Durba wrote a little book called Obedience, Discipline, and Diligence. Um, it's a very small book, an easy read, something you can read multiple times. You visit their website, faithvictorychurch.us, faithvictorychurch.us, and uh, go to their bookstore. I think it's $5, something like that. It's really inexpensive. And um, this book talks a little bit about diligence. It's so important. In fact, it's so important. The Bible says it is man's precious possession. Precious possession. We'll talk more about it Wednesday night. Amen? Y'all received that today? Yes, Were you blessed by the word of God today? Yes. Come on, give God a praise as you receive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father God, thank you so much today for giving us the word. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for, your, for the revelation that we've received. I pray, Father, that each person in this room, Lord, has, has seen a picture, a clear picture of what diligence looks like. That, Father, that is not enough for us to just have plans. It's not enough for us to just have desires. You had plans. In fact, your word says your plans endure to many generations. You have desires. Your word says you desire that all men will be saved. But Father, it's not just the plans and your desire. It's you working your plan. It's you bringing Jesus Christ down through 42 generations. It's you experiencing the setback after setback of saving your people redeeming them and them turning away from you again. And then you redeeming them and them turning away from you again. And you redeeming them and then them turning away and going back into slavery, going back into bondage again and again and again. But you never altered your plan. So many times your own people let you down. The Father, I'm aware that today in 2021 that so many times your own people we let you down but God I'm so glad that your word says that even when we are unfaithful you remain faithful even if we deny you you cannot deny yourself so God no matter what happens you don't change you're faithful you're steadfast you're true you're diligent you're diligent about saving us. Thank you, Lord, for our mothers or fathers or some neighbor or some coworker, somebody who prayed for us before we ever got born again. Somebody prayed for us. Somebody interceded for us. And when they did, God, I gave you license in the earth to come after us. Thank you that, God, you didn't stop until we were in your family. So many times we heard your voice and kept running. So many times we heard your voice and kept, kept avoiding church or 
church things. But God, you were diligent and brought us into your family. We're so thankful today. Now, I pray, Father, each person in this room, that every desire gets stirred up. Godly, kingdom, great desires. Desires not just for things for us, but things for you. Not just for houses and lands and cars and buildings and all those things. Those are great. We'll take all that, all those things. We need those things. But God, it'll be also desires for your kingdom to advance the gospel, to bring people into the body of Christ, to tell somebody Jesus is alive and well and he lives forevermore. Now, Father, I thank you that these are your people will begin to develop in this area of diligence. I pray, Father, everyone does just what my family did the other night, just does a real, real assessment of ourselves, that we all just really assess where we are and be truthful. Even be daring, daring enough to ask somebody who's close to us, somebody who knows us, <laughs> how diligent they see us and not be offended not be on guard but to accept real answers for your word says faithful are the wounds of a friend so thank you Father even if friends wound us by these truths we'll accept it and allow you to help us to develop this area of diligence I thank you it's so in Jesus name Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God.